to us. Fires, touchdown Miami. Waddle snuck into the end zone of Miami. Boy, tight throw, tight window. They had to get that touchdown on that play. They get it. What is up, Dolphins? And welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield. And on today's show, we are burning the midnight oil as we are officially two-thirds of the way through the preseason. It's a 15-13 loss here to the Las Vegas Raiders, but plenty to break down from an individual and team analysis standpoint. We'll do the five takeaways from the game. Hear from head coach Mike McDaniel, quarterback Tua Tungavailoa, wide receiver Eric Ezukama, who had a huge night. We'll see about some post-game, post-game show audio here as well. From the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex, this is the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. Kicking it off here in the post-game with the stats as we do each and every Miami Dolphins game. And last week we talked about how the Dolphins' defense was on the field for far more snaps than the Miami offense, and that kind of shifted this week Not so much as a pendulum in the other direction, but rather more to an even standpoint as far as plays called or total plays ran goes. Both teams ran 57 plays, but Miami pretty much bested the Raiders in a lot of the other categories except for one element, and that was a big difference in the two team stats. But both teams had 16 first downs. Miami 6 for 12 on third down, 0 for 1 on fourth. The Raiders 5 of 13 on third down and 1 for 1 on fourth. Miami had 340 yards to Las Vegas' 289. 303 passing yards for Miami, 145 for Las Vegas. The rushing yards is the big discrepancy in the other direction. 144 for Las Vegas, just 37 for Miami. Dolphins get the uh, have the one turnover, I should say. Did not get any takeaways. They did pick up four sacks to Las Vegas' one. Miami committed just four fouls for 24 yards. That's six in two games for just 34 yards. Pretty good number there. And the Raiders take time of possession, 33 minutes to the Dolphins, 26-51 uh, in T.O.P. there. So pretty even game back and forth. You know, that 15-13 score just gives you the feel of a preseason game, doesn't it? That's, that's like the most quintessential preseason score you're going to get. You get a lot, lot of 11s in preseason. You know, 15-13 just feels right at home for this time of the football calendar. Let's go ahead and get to the takeaways here. And, you know, a little more challenging to get definitive on these when you have what feels like four different games within the game, because I want to talk about, you know, for instance, Zach Sealer, who I thought was awesome today, but he only played, you know, X amount of reps. It's hard to really go in depth on that, that game aside from a couple of reps, but we're going to do it anyway. And I'm going to go as comprehensively as I can here. Hopefully I don't stumble too much over my words. It's a little late. I'm a little tired. Just got off the air doing two games of post, two hours of post game show with Seth and Juice, which you guys can find up on the 560 Best of app on Apple or Spotify, wherever you get your podcast from. Takeaway number one: start at the quarterback position. I thought that what Tua Tungavailoa showed us tonight is a very encouraging sign of progress heading into year number three. And it's multi-layered. I'll go ahead and start with my notes I had from the game. And then we'll hear from both Coach Mike McDaniel and Tua Tungavailoa from their perspective about a really cool pregame shot we got on the CBS4 broadcast showing us Tua out there at 2.30 in the afternoon. 
And I, I made this point on the uh, radio show. If, if you're from South Florida, you know it's been extra hot this last week, and that was no different today. In fact, we kind of called a, a rule in the Wingfield household. I took my daughter out at 9 o'clock this morning, or yesterday morning, I should say, to play outside for a little bit. But after about 9.30, we were done. It was like, we're calling off the dogs. We're going inside. It's too hot to be out here right now. And 2.30 is about when it gets to be the worst that it is out there. And there you see QB1 on the field going through a little routine that he'll explain to us here in just a moment. And Coach McDaniel will talk about as well in his post-game press conference. But my notes as far as Tua's game, and you know, the stats aren't going to jump out and punch you in the face, but they're definitely efficient and they definitely match up with some of the qualities I thought he showed in this performance. Six for eight, 58 passing yards, 94.8 passer rating. I mean, that's, you do that four quarters in a row, you'll be in pretty good shape, especially if you mix in a touchdown or two there, which, you know, is certainly a possibility. But I thought that the first play that really stood out to me for Tua was the sliding off the spot, extending that play and throwing the check down to Chase Edmonds. It's not really a check down as much as it was, you know, that angle route, that little arrow route where he comes out of the backfield and crosses face over the linebacker, and he got grabbed and held, and illegal contact gets thrown. But two was able to manage a very clean pocket, by the way, which we'll talk about that here in just a second. Step up, get off of his spot, and find his outlet for that pass, for a big completion, for a third down conversion for 17 yards to Chase Edmonds, who looks dangerous as I'll get out in the passing game. And I just loved the way you saw him get through front side progressions and come back to the backside or to get to that check down quickly. Like the, the Trent Sherfield shot, I think it was 14 yards to Trent Sherfield or 16 yards to Trent Sherfield. And you, from my vantage point, like two was looking right at us in that press box, kind of behind the end zone there. And you can see him work the front side. You see bang one, bang two, no, not there. And then you see him come back to three and the ball's out. And it's that aspect of playing the position where putting in the prep work to let you understand why what this defender is doing is going to impact what this defender is doing and the call I have against that coverage, the concept I have against that look, I should have the answers to the rest of the test based upon what I'm seeing on this front side read. And I thought we saw a lot of that where Tua was one, two, and then boom, the third was like back of his hand. He knew it. The ball got out. And I was very impressed by that because a lot of the, I think, negative plays that this offense endured last year was, you know, the pocket would get muddied and then we'd get into a situation where it's time to create and extend and maybe guys aren't open downfield and then we get a, a ball that goes a little bit off target or it gets tipped or a sack happens, the ball pops out and the ball security issue with either an interception or a fumble, like some of that stuff that would, you know, bog down drives or swing games, you get to that check down quicker, you can eliminate a lot of that. And I thought we saw Tua take it upon himself to help mitigate those issues that can be offense wide and your quarterback can just wipe them out. Like I've seen that in some other games across the league in the preseason where the rush is, is getting home and it's getting there fast, but the quarterback's able to one, two, three, get to that check down and you can mitigate a lot of those potential issues that you might see. So very short sample size, but I thought it was fantastic. You saw him get to Mike Gusecki immediately to check it down to him after his first two guys were covered. And then on Chase Edmonds' first down conversion, get it out there early because of what Chase Edmonds did. You give him the ball early, you give him plenty of space and room to operate with to let him not just make a move, but set up that move. 
And when you are a guy like Chase Edmonds, who has really, really good shiftiness and change of direction, you get what you got. You get a first down conversion where he makes a move on a guy short of the sticks and extends the drive for a first down. So I was I was very impressed by Tua. Been talking about it through camp, you know, the decision making, the quick processing, to see it kind of continue and trend forward and play out here was certainly a good sign. And I want to go back now to audio from both Coach McDaniel and Tua on his work to come out here. You know, I'm, I'm at the Baptist Health Training Complex right now in the Baptist Health Studios doing the Drive Time Podcast. But across the street, he was out here at 2.30 before a 7 p.m. kickoff. And here he is talking about what he was trying to get accomplished with that workout. Yeah, well, for me, I'm, I'm just trying to picture the operation of how, you know, I, I want the offense to operate. So I'm looking at the play call, saying the play call out, getting the motions. You know, if, if you know, a certain person is not where they're supposed to be, defensively then that's a opportunity to to you know exert all all the adjectives as far as you know getting us into the right play and so for me that's that's what that's what my practice is every time that I go out there is okay if we run this play what could stop that play if we run this play what can stop that play and then going through my entire progression if it's a pass play if it's a play action play if it's a run play understanding I have to carry out my fakes, uh, just all the little details, I would say. And if Tua can continue to progress in that area and just get sharper and sharper and make those quicker decisions. And again, like that's the idea of, of training camp and football. And, and Coach McDaniel talked about this in the Levitard show about the best teams, how they're always getting better. They're always trajector, their trajectory is always, you know, in a linear upwards direction. If Tua can stay on that track with this, that's, that's got to be a great sign for you. It's also a great sign, I think, with something Coach said in his postgame presser, talking about how he was impressed with Tua's development and ownership of the offense, how he's had such a good camp. But really, the ownership and command was really good, talking about how he said it himself, how he got to his third read in the progression a couple of times, adjusted for the defense. And the part that I wanted to read here that I thought was very interesting was Coach talking about how the defense wasn't matching personnel, what that means is, you know, if you go with four wideouts, they just kept the defense, you know, linebackers in the field, for instance. Like, they weren't matching, okay, we got to go more DBs here. I'm not saying that's what happened. That's just an example of it. But I found that very interesting, and, and Coach talked about how they weren't necessarily ready for that in a situation where you don't game plan. And then from there, you know, you can attack certain vulnerabilities and weaknesses, especially if you have 10 and 17 out there. Both those guys did not play, by the way, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. But really interesting stuff there from Coach. Coach also talked about Tua's pregame work and that faith in this quarterback and building upon his successes and saying, uh, this is me saying, Dolphins fans have to feel good about that. And it certainly has Dolphins coaches and teammates feeling good about Tua's progression so far. Here's Coach. Man, it, that that says everything. That that's why that's why his teammates are confident in him. That's why I'm confident in him. And that's why his coaching staff is because that is something that you know he he has done on his own with with like a li- with guidance from you know his quarterback coach, Coach Bevel. But he's you, you can feel that every day that he is. You know, Coach Bevel has explained to him all sorts of stories of the players he's worked with um, coming in here this this year. That wasn't something that I'd heard to a that, that wasn't really his mo. Um, j- just to go ahead and you know go outside the framework of 
whatever the schedule is and and really invest all in on on your craft he is doing that every single day um and it, and it really shows in his play um that that is not that doesn't surprise me um i i hadn't heard that but he's really been doing that every single day um at the beginning of the day before he gets the script and th- that's why he's owning the offense and and leading us well so that we'll be in a good position to to be um what what his teammates really need him to be week one. So that is your first takeaway is just Tua's command shows up and Tua's ownership of the position and of this this big role he has here in this Dolphins offense. That's the number one takeaway. Let's go ahead and take our first break. I think we're going to bump post-game show because I have a lot more to get to here. We'll go ahead and get back here with the rest of the takeaways and more media availabilities from Tua Tungavailoa, Mike McDaniel, and Eric Ezukama. That's all next on the Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Getting to the five takeaways here from the Dolphins' Week 2 2022 preseason home opener at Hard Rock Stadium, a 15-13 loss at the hands of the Las Vegas Raiders. And my second takeaway was the play of the defensive line, and in particular that defensive tackle position with guys condensing inside. And it started off for me with Zach Sealer, who had that sack where I've seen that swim move from Zach at least 20 times here at camp work effectively, where he you know, fires off the ball with that low pad level, puts that, if, if you're rushing from the left side of the quarterback, you put that left hand on the outside shoulder of the guard, you bring that right hand over the top, and your power with that outside hand to kind of throw him by you and that quick move over the top puts you into that gap and into the backfield immediately that was his sack and it was an impressive impressive pass rush rep and he got back in there the very next snap he was in that backfield frequently getting after those Raider quarterbacks in this game Christian Wilkins had a play where he worked down the line I think I saw Kyle Krabs from Locked On Dolphins tweet about surfing down the line I like that phraseology of that but he jumped at least two gaps in that play and made a big play there And then how about Ben Stilley, the Nebraska UDFA, the guy that's been in the camp notes at least every other day. He pops with some pass rush. He gets himself in there on a similar swim move to the one that Zach Sealer had and didn't get the sack, but he did bury the quarterback, and that was a big, big hit 
on that quarterback, but he would get an effort sack later on where he was engaged in a block, quarterback broke contain, broke the pocket, and he came off of that block and made the sack. So he had himself another good night here and some more good work against the run. And I also had John Jenkins with a play where he just took the center and walked him you know, three, four steps, retreat, retreat, retreat into the quarterback and disrupted that passing lane and caused an errant throw with his work there too. So this defensive line, we talked about it all camp last year. We talked about it all season last year. It's carrying right over into this camp with some more production from those big guys up front on this Dolphins front. My third takeaway was the offensive, just offensive notes. And the number one part of that was, I alluded to this in the Tua portion of the takeaways, was the pockets that the quarterbacks had to operate with in terms of spacing and ability to climb or slide, just giving them not just time for where their feet need to go, but the ability to trust their eyes and be patient with their reads and get through their progressions. And that's part a function, I think, of the offensive line itself, but also of the system and of the offense where they're doing a good job, you know, moving that launch point of the quarterback, getting him out in space off of bootlegs and, you know, changing the drop and the, you know, three-step drop, seven-step drop, quick game, now game, uh, all that stuff that just kind of creates a better level of comfort for your quarterback. And that was kind of the case. A lot of the big chunk plays we saw was Tua having space to operate with and we know what kind of quarterback he can be when you do that for him. So that was very encouraging to see that, to just continuously create situations where he could get comfortable in that backfield. I also liked the Teddy Bridgewater to Braylon Sanders long completion up that sideline. I believe that was in the second quarter of this game where you see Sanders and I think it was Ezukama. They were to the field side of the formation, which is your wide side of the field, right? But they're in a condensed split where they're close to the hash marks or inside the numbers, and they're kind of in this bunch where the defensive backs have to pick, you know, if, if they're going to banjo it, which is a coverage where you switch based upon the release, or if you cover one guy all the way through, you fight over the picks. It just causes more communication and a potential false step on the defense. And on this particular route, they got that, and Sanders was able to stack the defensive back on his back just like he did his entire career there at Ole Miss catching big balls down the field from Matt Corral in Lane Kiffin's offense. But I thought last year with Tua's game, and this is a translation from you know Teddy playing to what you can project with Tua in the offense, was last year, and you go back to that first game against the Patriots when Tua hit the long ball to Waddle and the long ball to Parker, both of those were to the short side of the field, or Parker's was, and Waddle's came from the slot where you have him closer into the line of scrimmage, you give two of that extra space to the side to work with, which obviously benefits faster receivers like a Waddle, like a Tyreek Hill, and you give him that slot fade look. It's not a slot fade in this instance per se, but you're creating slot fade equivalence, which is a throw that Tua makes really, really well. I was very pleased with that and the ability to get the quarterbacks comfortable with your play calling and also offensive line play. That was takeaway number three. Takeaway number four it's kind of just a hodgepodge of notes, but I made the note or the headline, I should say, rookies and unsungs, like guys that I thought produced not just tonight, but have carried over good camps into a good week one, into a good week two now, and are kind of getting are kind of getting on the radar of, you know, not just me, but I would imagine all of you watching out there as well. And I start here with Ben Stilley. 
Talked about that pass rush move that he had to plant Mullins. He gets that second effort sack later on. He has been super impressive with his strength, his versatility to rush from multiple spots. I thought Channing Tindall was really good again in this game. He made plays in coverage. He had that absolute stick for a run stuff, but his speed just pops day in and day out. Cater Cahoe, the Dolphins cornerback here, the rookie out of Texas A&M Commerce. His athletic ability really showed up on that PBU where he falls back into the hook and they run that dig in behind him who's being covered by another Dolphins defensive back and he elevates and gets his hands on that ball and almost picks it off. And then he also drives on a screen pass later on and made a tackle behind the line. Cameron Good, the Dolphins' seventh-round draft pick, has a really nice play in space on a flare to the running back at one point for a no gain. Elijah Campbell had a mix of good reps down in the box, but also in coverage. He had that pass breakup on the Kohu holding play down in the red zone. I thought Porter Gustin, you know, with a sack again today, more pressure, some good edge defending with his special teams prowess and the way he's played, he's certainly making a case. And then uh, the two guys that <clears throat> they came into the game the latest of this list, but they made probably the biggest impact was Skylar Thompson, obviously 9 for 10 for... 129 yards and a touchdown pass, but I wrote down three plays that I thought really impressed me the most was he ripped a far hash speed out route where he's able to drive that ball to the perimeter ahead of the cornerback on the receiver's numbers. The scramble play where he extends and finds, I think it was, I think it was Ezukama. I have to go back and check, but he found a receiver in the middle of the field after the pressure on the interior flushed him out to the side of the pocket. And at that point, it's like, you're kind of looking for the sideline. The old adages don't go late over the middle. But to keep his eyes up and to see the way the coverage peeled off of that hook receiver and then to find him with the football, I thought that was super, super impressive. And then finally, the lob into the corner to Zaquandre White for the touchdown, which what a catch and run that was for the rookie running back. I was so impressed by that play by Skyler, also Zaquandre. But those three plays I thought really stood out in his game just to show you kind of some of the physical skills, but also the way he's catching on. And we'll hear from Coach here in just a minute about his growth so far through camp and the preseason. And then finally, Eric Ezukama. What can you say about him? My goodness, six catches for a buck 14 on nine targets. That's 19 yards per catch. That's 34 yards of a long. He had that play coming back to the football, slightly underthrown, but when you get that trail technique, sometimes it's a good throw to throw it underneath like that because your guy can come back and make the adjustment and the DB really has no chance. And then after that, he catches that, puts a hand in the ground and stays on his feet and he broke a tackle on his first catch. They gave him that little quick hitter on that potential game-winning drive there at the end that uh, hit the upright on the field goal attempt. Like They found a way to pump him the football when he was getting going and he made play after play. In fact, I want to go ahead and hear from him right now on a coaching point that Wes Welker has given him. And you saw in the broadcast, we watched the game at one point, Wes Welker was really getting after somebody. I, I don't know who it was. We don't have any possible way of knowing that, but I just want to hear you listen or have you listen to what Eric Ezukama said about Wes Welker and something we talked about all off season, the impact of Wes Welker in that receiver's room. Here's rookie receiver Eric Ezukama on his position coach. You know, coach preaches that you've never arrived. You know, you always got to go to work every day. You know, there's, you know, in the middle of the game, actually, you know, I was kind of messing up a little bit early on, and and he and he and he told us, you know, you're you're here to take a man, a grown man's job, and that res- that really resonated with me. And you know, I went back out there, you know, and just 
did everything I could to make plays when the ball came to my um, came my way. And we obviously know that by now that you know Wes Welker went and worked out Eric Ezukama at Texas Tech, and being a Texas Tech guy, we also had the story earlier this summer about the flashcards and kind of running through the previous or the coming upcoming day script of practice plays so that it's second nature. Well, whatever they're doing with Eric Azukama is working because right now he's producing big time and it sounds like he has the right mentality and mindset of, yeah, it's good right now, but it has to keep getting better. And I have no doubt he'll keep approaching it that way. Our fifth and final takeaway, let's go ahead and take our last break. We'll come back and get to that and play a couple more sound clips I have for you guys from the post-game media press conferences from Mike McDaniel, Eric Azukama, and quarterback Tua Tungavailoa. That's next here on the Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think you could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one contest yeah yeah because you gotta think he's gonna guard he don't care about guarding He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. I'm not like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It is a game day recap edition of the Drive Time Podcast. In just a few weeks, we'll be doing this after a week one game, a game that counts in the standings. But for now, we're talking about Dolphins and Raiders, 15-13, the Raiders take it. And my fifth takeaway here is just that there's always room for improvement, right? Things we can hopefully see some progress for next week and things to track as far as how they improve and get better tangibly. And we saw the run game only had two yards at halftime last week, four yards halfway through the third quarter this week, and finished with only 37 on the ground. It's something Coach McDaniel talked about and saying, you know, this was a situation where we didn't necessarily get the, the things we expected or the looks we expected, and there are certain things you can do to check and, and make changes to produce better that way, but also you want to be able to line up and run the football in situations where they expect it to be coming. So a little bit of both give and take there, but I think we can all agree the running game could be something to to look for improvement next week and heading into the season. Savon Ahmed led the way with five carries for 20 yards. Miles Gaskin had four for 12, and then Zaquandre White, one for four. Chase Edmonds, three for three. Skylar Thompson had two for one, and then Michelle, two for zero. Braylon Sanders, one for negative three. So something to keep an eye on, something to look forward to to improving upon next week is the running game. Uh, Also, the cornerback play right now, I should say medical situation. McDaniel talked after the game about how Nick Needham and Keon Crossan in a banged-up cornerback's room took injuries. And Coach McDaniel, and he was discussing how that's not 
perceived to be long-term prognosis at this point, not something that's going to be fatal, he said, was the word, the, the verbiage that he used for Nick Needham, who went down pretty early in this game. And without Xavier Howard and Byron Jones, that's kind of your top three cornerbacks last year in terms of snaps played. Guys are going to count on big time there. So that was something to keep an eye on going forward. Luckily, we have Mackenzie Alexander here in camp to keep going and get more work and get more familiar in this scheme. And then also... Uh, no Teron Armstead, I thought, at that left tackle position. You know what kind of impact he's going to have for you, but trying to figure out who that swing tackle might be uh, if, if something were to happen to either he or Austin Jackson or anyone across the offensive line that might uh, request a, a shuffle is trying to figure out that position there. So those are a couple of things to look forward to and try to see if we can't get more answers for next week. Luckily, we do have more time here in the preseason. That's what it's here for, to get work, to get improvement, and to fix the things that are not going in your favor. Let's go ahead and finish up here with some more audio from McDaniel, Tua, and Ezukama. Let's go ahead and go back to Coach as he discussed the play of his seventh-round draft pick rookie quarterback, Skylar Thompson. Man, he, he just he just gets better every day, you know. That's a uh, I think he like this this game he uh, the operation was better. Um, there was one time that he kind of lost the play clock a little bit, and we had to burn timeout. Um, but but more than anything, he really had command over everything, and he's he's starting to make plays that you know when. when one or two aren't there feeling the concept and you know like that touchdown they threw um to z white uh in the uh on the left hand side that's something that skylar doesn't make you know at the beginning of preseason so i've seen continued improvement but he he's very diligent about the process um he's got the makeup of what it takes to be an nfl quarterback so i think all all of his teammates can feel that too you talk about being a good teammate. How about quarterback Tua Tungavailoa on what has impressed him about his teammate, Skylar Thompson? I've been extremely impressed uh, with, with Skylar. Skylar handled the, the Tampa game extremely well, and then now he comes in a little later into the third quarter, You know, gets, gets his group going, has I don't even know how, how many plays he had. He, he probably had like a 10-play a drive uh, leading up to the – the score that that we had our first you know score that we had here at Hard Rock for this 2022 season um but I I think he's handled it extremely well he gave us an opportunity to kick a field goal um you know to to win the game unfortunately that wasn't the case but you know I, I think he's done an extremely great job for us let's get two more from Tua here first he was asked about how he felt playing tonight how he felt about the production the offense the team as a whole here's QB1 felt good I, I enjoyed being out there with the guys. I enjoyed the atmosphere that was that was out there tonight with the fans. You know, I I know as as an offense, you you always want to go down and, and accomplish every drive ending in a score. Obviously, that wasn't the case within you know the the two drives that we had. We had a field goal, but you know, we're, our job as an offense is to go down and, and try to put points up on the board. And one more here from quarterback one talking about shaking off some rust and just getting ready for the season and the importance of getting those live reps here tonight. Here's two. Uh, I would not necessarily. Um, you know, obviously we we want to be able to simulate, you know, game-like uh, practices, but, you know, nothing simulates the actual thing. 
So just me being able to go out there with the first string O-line, um, you know, we, we, all need, we all need that. Um, as you can see, we're a little rusty when we went out there. Uh, but, you know, it's nothing that, that a little film can't help. Let's go back to rookie receiver Eric Azukama talking about his quarterback, Tua Tungavailoa. Yeah, Tua is always, always like that every day. We're actually locker buddies, basically uh, three-year-old lockers away from each other. So every day we see each other saying what's up. He's always, you know, uh, smiling, happy, you know, saying what's up. And, you know, I love the guy. Well, if you needed any further proof that Eric Azukama is a smart man, getting FaceTime and being buddy with your QB1, that's a pretty smart move there from the rookie. Plenty of content for you guys up on MiamiDolphins.com, photo gallery, YouTube channel for media availabilities. We'll have a, a three takeaways piece written by yours truly as well. We'll also have the re the rewatch recap podcast for you guys. Some coach availability, some assistant coach availability. Plenty of stuff coming your way here on drive time. If the Dolphins are on the field, I'm on the mic. You know that's how it goes. In the meantime, it's going to be my time. Clocking out at 1.23 a.m. here on the East Coast. Going to go home and have some of the pizza they had for us in the uh, press box after the game. But that's my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter at WingfieldNFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank podcast and the postgame show on 560 WQAM, myself and OJ and Seth on that. Those two guys, the fish tank, obviously. Cleo Lemon this week coming up. You won't want to miss that. The Twitter Spaces show, 8 o'clock on Wednesday nights on Twitter. Get in there with your questions for me, Seth, and OJ. Of course, the YouTube channel for Media Vales, Dolphins Today, Drive Time, and Fish Tank content. And last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up, Caroline. Daddy's coming home.